Welcome to Building Charleston, a podcast where we shine a bright light on the dynamic companies changing the landscape of Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Matt Chapdelaine, and as your host each week, I'll be bringing you the most interesting business owners in the Lowcountry. We'll explore how they got to where they are, what they're working on, and what their vision is for the future of Charleston. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. This episode of Building Charleston is brought to you by Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate brokerage firm focused on Charleston's office, retail, and industrial tenants. If you're responsible for your company's real estate needs and your company is expanding, looking to open a new location, or opening the first location in the Charleston area, give Lane Commercial Real Estate a call at 843-508-3038 or go to the website at www.lanecre.com. That's L-A-I-N-E-C-R-E.com. Welcome everyone to the Building Charleston podcast. Good to be back in the studio, even if the studio has changed a little bit. Today is May 5th, 2020, and we're recording from uh, a garage in Mount Pleasant. We're recording here for a mix of uh, fresh air, and uh, if you hear any interesting noises in the background, maybe my neighbors or the kids, so just think of it as one of your Zoom calls. Right now, you're listening to to the first episode in a uh, five-part series for uh, businesses who are growing in Charleston. The goal of this series is to let our listeners acquire the knowledge they need to stay in business and, if possible, come out of the, this coronavirus pandemic, whatever you want to call it, in a much better spot. So today is episode one of a first part series. Here's how it's going to work. Today, we've got Chip Roberts from Kickin' Chicken. Tomorrow, we're going to have Matt Pecoy from McGrath Law Firm talking about strategies for businesses during COVID. Episode three is also going to feature Matt Pecoy from McGrath Law Firm talking about strategies for property owners. Episode four, we're going to have Mike Seekings and Frank Wells to talk about what a responsible reopening of Charleston looks like. Episode five, we're going to be talking to some bankers uh, and some financial experts about the resources that are available for small businesses. But today, we're going to be talking to Chip Roberts about what successful companies are doing in Charleston during the corona pandemic. So if you're wondering where we went, a lot of people out there, uh, we had a growing real estate company, had a growing podcast, and then a bomb dropped in our lap. We were building what I thought was a pretty good company, and now things change. So we're going to get back on track. Charleston's reopening. And with that, let's get the show started. Chip Roberts, welcome to the Building Charleston podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. It's good to have you here. Also with us is the newest member of Lane Commercial Real Estate, Adam Griffin. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It is good to have both of you guys here today. So let's get started. Chip, your business is very well known in the Charleston region, but for those who are listening to from outside the Charleston region, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and in your business? Okay. Cake and Chicken was founded in 1997. It's a local restaurant group. We've got uh, five locations now in the Charleston area. Bobby and I started this pretty much right out of college. My partner, Bobby Perry, and I did. We worked at a couple of places in college restaurants. We always enjoyed the restaurant business the dynamics of it. And uh, we based it kind of loosely on a restaurant that we worked at in Columbia, South Carolina, at the University of South Carolina, that um, made it a business out of delivering food to college kids, hungry college kids, and, you know, people around the area in Columbia. Okay. Adam, you and I have frequented Kickin' Chicken plenty of times. We love it. Often. Often. 
What makes Kickin' Chicken unique? It's simplicity. Yeah? That's what it is. It's simple. It's it's good food. Yeah, it's it's not bar food, but you can go in there, watch a game, get a beer, and enjoy good food. Well said, as we've done many times. Many times. I have done it for many a year. <laughs> so the, the goal of this episode here is to let our listeners know what successful businesses are doing in Charleston during this time. You're, you're, you obviously, you've been successful for many years. You've probably seen some ups, some downs. This is a new one. Um, but I think the goal of this episode here is just going to hear your take on, on what you've kind of done in the past, more so what you're doing right now to get a better understanding of what other companies, other businesses can be doing to you know improve their business while things are going on. So with so much of the focus on the challenges in the real estate industry right now, right? This is really affecting the restaurant industry. How are you succeeding? Well, our business model from the get-go was really based on takeout and delivery as being the core focus of our business. So we've always incorporated that into our business model. So it's been easy for us to pivot to doing only takeout and delivery. It wasn't a big stretch for us to do that. Is your current success from planning or was this you know, a little, little bit of luck? I think it's, of- a, it's a little bit of luck. I mean, you know, people want to get food to go. They don't want to spend a fortune on it. And we're like to think that we're reasonably priced and offer a good value for, for what we sell. Better to be lucky than good sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. It's, it's, it, luck has played in, into our favor a little bit. I've got several friends that are in fine dining restaurants that aren't as fortunate as we are. People don't want to spend, you know, $50, $60 to get a takeout meal, mm-hmm. you know, for one person to get a steak or something to go. Whether I mean, it's great food, but it's it's hard when when people's lives are uncertain right now and not know whether if they're going to get an extra paycheck or not to spend, you know, $150, $200 on a family of four to eat out. Sure. Or really eat in, I guess. Eat it out of a cardboard box. Looking back, is there anything you would wish you had done, you know, kind of leading up to this? I mean, I know it's kind of a tough question given the, the world, but if you were to play... Monday morning quarterback. Is there anything you, um, think you could have done? No, I don't think there's anything we, we could have done. You know, for the first first week or so, I was pretty freaked out. Didn't know what to do. I was very stressed out. But after we we put a good game plan together, after about five or seven days, I felt really confident in, in what we do and, and where we were and how we were poised to, to take advantage of the things I just laid out, which is, you know, the ease of us getting food out the door. We were already prepared for it. We've always done it. And a lot of restaurants had had to change their business model and, you know, to accommodate a lot of takeout. How is Uber Eats and DoorDash and Postmates, how has that affected your business? Right I now? mean, we, we do use a couple of those. We do not use Postmates, but we do use the other two. And um, it's, it's helpful, although they charge a large percentage on top and, and take a large percentage of your profits and the restaurant business, the profits are slim as it is. So you've got to deal with that. But you know, it's like all about a cash flow position at the time, like just trying to keep cash coming in the mm-hmm. restaurant. So it's been helpful to a couple of our restaurants have really thrived with those with those third party sites. So. Okay. Adam, I want to take, get your take on commercial real estate as applies to Uber Eats and whatnot. What's your take on the delivery world? Obviously, Amazon, much more packages are getting delivered. Obviously, you know, Bobby's business and Chip's business has kind of changed where they're, you know, much more delivery based. What's your take on how delivery, either whether it's pandemic or post-pandemic, is going to have an effect on on real estate? You know, I think we're already starting to see the shift that is going to happen. So the way everything was kind of going through e-commerce, deliveries, everything just kind of being shipped out. Third Mm -hmm. party, I guess. Maybe we were probably a few years from it. I believe that this pandemic has kind of sped it up. So now that we're forced to do it, 
it's just creating this wheel. It's accelerating the it's process. It's accelerating, accelerating everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, Chip, what percentage of your business is pickup versus delivery right now? Is it mostly delivery or people still yeah, like to kind of come it's, in? It's mostly pickup right now. I, I don't know the exact percentages, but if I had to take a guess, it's probably a 75, 25 mm-hmm. pickup to, to delivery. Okay. And what was it before? Yeah, I don't remember before. Before, our, our business model was about 15 to 20% was takeout and delivery before all this happened. We, we've always done, like I said earlier, we've always done a lot, a large portion of our business off premise because that's kind of how we started. And, you know, chicken wings and chicken fingers and stuff travel well. It's, mm-hmm. it's easy to get out the door and families to grab something on the go to get it, you know, to get it home for supper. So. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot, and the, and the bad thing right now is we're not selling. Well, we just had the patios open up yesterday, but we're not selling any alcohol, right? And those are the high profit mm-hmm. items on any restaurants, and and honestly, drinks, you know, just like cokes and iced teas and stuff like that. And we don't have the opportunity to sell as much of that with the guests not being inside the four walls. Yep. So the profit margins were slim before; they're even more slim now. Sure, but it's just about keeping, you know, like I said earlier, cash flow going and trying to keep, you know, money coming in the till so we can keep people employed. What initiatives have you taken that have helped you get through this? Is there anything new that you weren't doing before to kind of compensate for that? Or no, it's really just about scheduling your people to handle the amount of takeout business. I mean, a lot of those people were were shifted towards servers and bartenders that were doing their regular jobs before, are now shifted towards you know, either cooking, delivering, or working the takeout window or whatever, just to keep working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing to note, my wife and I have ordered kicking chicken a few times through this pandemic. And the process of using the online platform is extremely easy. Talk about, was that prepared? Yeah. Like I, I was telling Adam yesterday when we spoke that we were in the process of installing a new online software program for takeout and delivery. And it just so happens it got finished about two or three weeks right before <laughs> all this shit went down. Sweet. It still wasn't perfect, but we've been able to tweak it over the course of the last, you know, six, eight weeks to try and make it better. It's not perfect by any means. Hopefully it's definitely better than what we had before, which was, which was really arcane. Good. Well, but I'm glad to hear that Adam's enjoying the online system. That's that's good news for me. So I haven't personally yeah. used it. I mean, because of, of course it's, I don't work for myself. Sure, sure. Like through was, through normal channels. Yeah. Was it was it a platform that you developed yourself, or was it a third party platform? It was. A, it's a third party platform. It's the same people that we use for our loyalty club program, okay. and they they have a different branch that does the online ordering. They also do. Um, they have app services for us and stuff like that. So it's kind of incorporating. It was a no-brainer for us because we could incorporate the online ordering system with our loyalty mm-hmm. club system, which was we were unable to do before because this third party controls both of them. They've made it kind of seamless. So when you order online, you receive your loyalty club points instead of having to go through some process, which before it was it was just not happening. That leads me to, a, a, I think, a pretty interesting question or a pretty interesting topic. How have your third party suppliers or vendors or partners been able to help you during this? Is there, you know, obviously we heard about the technology. Have any of your food suppliers or anything unique or creative that's been game changing or, you know, certainly made this easier? With for the you? third party delivery services? Yeah, third party delivery services or your food suppliers or, or anything. I mean, like everybody's been trying to do whatever they can. And, you know, ourselves included, we're all working together to try and make this thing work the, the best we can. I wouldn't say that the third party delivery people have done much to help. I mean, I've seen where they've cut some fees and stuff like that for some restaurants. We have not been the recipient of any of those cuts, but you know, that's fine. Whatever. If they're helping somebody out, I'm happy for anybody to get some help if they can, but they've allowed us a vehicle 
no pun intended, to get the food out to the masses easier because, you know, we lost some employees. They'd rather ride unemployment. You know, the way unemployment is right now, they're getting paid way more than they probably would make if they were working full time. So a lot of employees have chosen not to work or don't want to come back to work. So it's it's allowed us to have more feet on the ground, so to speak, with getting the food out. Okay. So question actually coming up for Adam and for you, and I want you to hear both of you answer in your own way. You know, we deal with a lot of uh, commercial real estate right now. You have five locations, right? So if you're a commercial real estate tenant right now, how are you looking at your lease renewals if you had a lease renewal coming up? So ask you first and and then Adam, if you want to kind of take a more broader. broader We're fortunate enough to own the majority of our, our location, the properties that our locations are in. The one location that we do not own, I immediately reached out to the landlord for, you know, see what he could offer us. And and I offered, you know, a solution. He offered another one back and we came to agreement and um, he basically deferred the rent for two months. We paid our, our normal cam charges, which are ongoing costs. Mm-hmm. And that was my offer to keep paying those while we were not paying rent because I know that they've got to pay property taxes and, you know, yep. the maintenance and stuff like that. And then um, they extended our lease for two more months, which is not really I was something I wanted to do in all honesty, because I'm looking to get out of that location. <laughs> However, I mean, I wasn't going to look a gift horse in the mouth. I was going to take whatever I could sure. get because paying rent, rent's a large, a large uh, line item in everybody's budget as far as, you know, their mm-hmm. expenses are going. So we've been able to survive because of not paying rent. That's good. Adam, how have you seen other tenants or situations where maybe they did, didn't own the property or they had, I guess, either a shortfall or a lease renewal coming up? You know, I spent most of April just talking with different landlords, property managers, brokers, and it seems to be some sort of forbearance, you know either of abatement or it was the term was put on the back end of the lease. You know, that seems to be yeah. kind of standard for local and national tenants. In terms of lease renewal, you know, I think if you want to stay in the same spot, I don't think rates have really adjusted yet, but we'll see what happens in the coming weeks and even months. If you want to renew, I think this is a really good time to look at your, your strategy and your business plan. Do you need to downsize, make a smaller footprint of a restaurant? then maybe you focus more on the delivery aspect, the mm-hmm. Uber Eats. This is a changing economy and, and how food is delivered and yep. served. Okay. So I'm going to take that question now, and it's going to go back to both of you, but I'm going to flip it around. Instead of some of the challenges, what are the opportunities? Has this affected like expansion plans? Do you see this as an opportunity to maybe expand to new locations because you get some cheaper rent? The topic of like cloud kitchens comes to mind, like you know, taking much smaller spaces uh, that, that are purely uh, for delivery purposes. Have you seen any opportunities that came your that have come your way or you're kind of kicking around in your head that you think might be interesting given what's going on? I mean, I think it's a little early to tell, like Adam said. I don't think that, you know, things have, have begun to like calm down enough where you can really assess what's going on. I mean, I, I think, I mean, we're looking for a new location. I don't want anybody to go out of business. I don't wish that on anyone, but I have a feeling there's going to be some spaces becoming available just because of the natural course of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. The restaurant business is already a very tough industry to be in. Margins cut thin and you're sitting there barely hanging on and during all this trying to make it work. I can't imagine that everybody's going to come out alive out of this thing. Okay. And Adam, what have you seen? I still feel like we're too early. Yeah. It's, it's just too early to tell, but I, I definitely agree with Chip. There's going to be opportunities, you know, kind of echo what he said. The restaurant industry is a tough industry. Margins are low. Some of these guys aren't going to make it. Yeah. So, well, time will tell. 
Indeed it will. Indeed it will. It'll be an interesting few months as we uh, as we pop out of this, uh, or a few years, whatever it is. I don't know. I mean, um, a lot of people have got these government, you know, loans or grants mm-hmm. or whatever, and and it may help them short term. It might have just prolonged the inevitable that they were mm-hmm. struggling anyway and going to go down. Possibly, it just might keep them afloat longer. I, I don't know what to think about all this stuff. Honestly, you got to pay that money back. It's not free money. I mean, some of it is apparently forgiven if you can meet the requirements, but. I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah. Well, I don't think many people do. And I think episodes, what, two and three or three and four in this part of the series, when we bring on Matt Pecoy, we'll hopefully delve into that. Oh, and, and the uh, and the bankers who are going to come on and kind of explain that. So hopefully, if you're listening to this and you're as confused as uh, apparently we all are in this room, we'll answer that in some of the later episodes. What is something, if anything, that you've learned about yourself, your business in, in the last few weeks? Has anything kind of popped up and surprised you and said, hey, I didn't know we were quite capable of that? No, just kind of, you know, what it has done is I think reinvigorated our efforts to do as good a job as we possibly can, which is what we wake up every day trying to do. But I think it's, you know, it's, it's brought us together as a company, you know, the, the people that we work with every day, it's definitely highlighted like that we have a great company. We've got great employees and uh, we love what we do and we continue to want to do it. That's great. So what is your vision for Charleston as we begin kind of this next chapter, whatever, whatever that might be in regards to us or regards to just the economy and the, and the, what, and the fabric what, of what, what Charleston's going to look like. And I say that in the context of, you know, obviously there's some challenges, right? We've been growing real fast. Maybe this kind of tamps it down. We become a community that starts to thrive because people from other markets want to move here. Cause it's, you know, we're well, doing so I mean, well. y'all are living proof that people want to live here. You're from, where are you from? Rhode Island? Chicago. Chicago, yeah. right? And yep. so all these places that had the pandemic, New York, I mean, they're probably looking to get out. So I can imagine that we're going to have less people down here. You know, the cost of living is pretty good, comparatively speaking for them. I don't think the cost of living here is great in general. Honestly, I think it's, it's very expensive to live here. But I think there's going to be probably a mass exodus from the Northeast, more so than it has been just because of what's happening. The price and they pay up there is ridiculously expensive just for everything. Top this with the pandemic. We could see an explosion of some more Yankees down here. <laughs> but it hasn't been all that bad, has it? No, we don't mind Yankees. We don't like damn Yankees, which is the ones that come here and don't leave. <laughs> From Yankees to y'alls? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Last question as we start to wrap this up. This is just getting warmed up, getting, getting fun, up. yeah. Well, we don't have to wrap up just I've got five minutes of my stand-up back coming Okay, up. all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you the floor. Is there, is there you know, it's too bad you didn't get the funny partner. Bobby is the funny partner. I'm not the funny <laughs> one. And if you've ever had a beer with these guys, you'll know it's, uh, it's quite a trip. We're the yin and yang. We're a perfect well, married couple. We compliment each other. Yeah. Is, is there anything that I didn't ask that you think should be told is important to kind of what's going on here and for people to know as they're growing their business here in Charleston? You should temper your expectations on what, I mean, I know this area has been booming, but I think that people see it for more than it is in some ways. Like I think they, they have these visions of grandeur, like in the restaurant business, especially you now everybody's like Charleston, Charleston, Charleston. So everybody's built all these restaurants. There's just not enough people or money to support. There's not enough people to work in these restaurants to support the restaurant vision that people have. And I understand that what people are wanting to do. They want to be in the new hippest place. Like, you know, it was Nashville for a while. It's Charleston. Yeah. And there's just not enough infrastructure for us as an industry to handle the people that are necessary to pull off, you know, quality food and drink on a day-to-day basis. I mean, the cost of living here is extremely high. And, if you're working in a restaurant, you're not making a ton of money, right? It's just, it's not a, a 
a lucrative business for hardly anyone, but especially for the employees, for the, you know, the staff, the cooks, the servers, it's expensive to live here. And I mean, if you can't afford to live here, people can't afford to live here, then who's going to work here? And they, they keep gentrifying everything to the point where there's just, there's not enough workers here to handle the service industry, whether it be a hotel or a restaurant or a dry cleaner or whatever, it's just not enough people. And we can't pay people $15, $20 an hour to make chicken wings because I can't sell chicken wings for $25. I can mm. only sell them for a certain amount. So as profit margins slim, then people start rethinking their businesses. Like, is this even worth it for the struggle? We started this for the pure joy, honestly, to do this because it's what we love to do. It has grown into a, um, a successful business over the years, but every day it's a new challenge or it just makes it more and more difficult to like have the passion to do this stuff. Yep. In terms of making things more affordable for the workers in your industry, how would we go about doing that? Is it more affordable housing, especially you can do that? Or I'm no financial expert, but yeah, affordable housing would be the key. Like They just keep building more and more of these high-dollar residences, whether it be condos or what have you, and, and people can't afford that kind of rent. I mean, it's impossible to afford that kind of rent when you're making a worker's wage, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, we have to have people here that can afford to live here to work, to provide these services for everybody. And there's just, there's not a lot of that out here. Okay. I mean, as an investor or real estate or whatever, you, you see the opportunities to make more money that way. And I get that. So it's, it's hard to tell somebody to build lower cost housing when the return on their investment is not necessarily in low cost housing, but the, the government's got to step in somehow or another to make opportunities available, whether it be subsidies or requiring builders to build a portion of their developments as lower cost housing because we can all live here but if there's nobody to you know, clean your clothes or wash your car or serve your food or whatever like what's it going to turn into yep yeah that's uh not a place i really want to want to imagine but maybe this pandemic is a time for us to kind of rethink and reassess and hopefully someone out there is listening to this and smarter and got a better plan Let's hope so. Smarter than me, I hope. <laughs> well, it's, uh, I just serve chicken wings for a living, man. <laughs> chicken wings and cold beer. But you know what? Whether it's a good time or a bad time or anything in between, chicken wings and a cold beer. Yeah, we're always we're, gonna do well. Yeah, we're always here for you, man. <laughs> That's great. It's All comfort right. food. It is comfort food. It feels good. All right, so we're gonna wrap up now. Thank you for coming on the Building Charleston podcast. As a listener, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Our goal with this podcast has always been the same to help you grow your business here in the low country. Today's world, that comes with a lot of different challenges that people, some were prepared for, some were not. If you're a business owner in the low country, or if you're listening to us from outside Charleston, you're thinking that, hey, Chip's got some good points. I hear a lot of great things about Charleston. Maybe I want to move here. Definitely reach out to myself and Adam uh, at Lane Commercial Real Estate. We'd be really happy to help you achieve your goals and kind of navigate commercial real estate world as it exists down here. We have what it takes on the commercial real estate side, but just as importantly, we have the relationships and subject matter experts to help in all matters that are not real estate related. As always, my contact information, Adam's contact information, and our guest contact information will be in the show description. So if you have any questions, you want to reach out to them, maybe visit uh, Kick and Chicken. I'm permission to put out my contact information. <laughs> We're going to do it anyway. You'll, you'll have to go to you know, uh, I feel chicken. bad. This sounds like it's kind of a commercial for your business, and I don't think I painted too rosy of a picture. <laughs> That's okay, but it's real. It's real, and that's uh. I, I mean, I'm as real as I could be, man. That, that, that's the important part. Keeping it, keep it real, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so finally, 
Building Charleston is sponsored by Pop Popcorn. Carmen and Nate have been hard at work during the quarantine, making new flavors. They've still got the original, got beet, matcha, salted lime, lemon pepper. They got a great new website. So, are you trying to carry, make me carry this at the restaurant? I could. no. <laughs> if, if you want to have this, you, you get a bag on your I way out here. I wonder where all this popcorn that's came from. What, what, like, what, you've what, got, a, you've what, got a supplier. I see. That's right. It's. Uh, it's just helping me get hey, if it's this. as good as you say it is, we might feature it in the restaurant. There you go. It's, uh, <laughs> I swear by it. I love it. So with that, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Chip, this has been great. Thank you to the listeners. Be safe, be responsible, and make it a great day. Eat more chicken. Eat more chicken. <laughs> <laughs> we'll steal that tagline. This episode of Building Charleston is brought to you by Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate brokerage firm focused exclusively on representing Charleston's office, retail, and industrial tenants. If you're responsible for your company's real estate needs and your company is expanding, downsizing, looking to open a new location, or opening the first office in the Charleston area, Give us a call at 843-508-3038 or go to our website at www.lanecre.com. That's L-A-I-N-E-C-R-E.com.